and welcome to today's information exchange program. I'm your host, Camille Wright. On today's show, my guests will be talking about the genocide plague in Africa, specifically in Rwanda. My guests today are Rwanda Ambassador Zach Nsenge, United Nations Representative Mr. Jose Campino, and um, two survivors of the Rwanda genocide, Mr. Amable Munye and Mrs. Jose Mokadite. My guests were the featured speakers at the Colloquium, Rwanda Genocide Colloquium, today at Nova Southeastern University's main campus. Can you please, I'd like to welcome you all, and can yeah. you please give us some background on this conflict that was going on before the Rwandan Genocide, and when did it, it begin, and what exactly is that issue, was that issue? Uh, the the conflict that uh, took place, the genocide in actual fact that took place in 1994 has got a history and has got a background. People believe that it started in 1994 after the, uh, the, the crash of the president's uh, plane, but this was not. This is something that uh, just only expedited the speed of the genocide, but actually the, a number of things that happened in the preparation for the genocide years before. And you can as well say that actually genocide in Rwanda started in 1959. So how did people distinguish between the Tutsis and the Hutsis with that, the conflict during the Rwandan? They, they were able to differentiate between the two because each one had an identical card, which simply said were Hutu, it was Tutsi. Mm -hmm. And that's how they, they, they differentiated people from the other. But uh, physically, if you look at one people, it's not very easy to differentiate them. They all same, speak the same language, they share the same culture, and uh, in the past they used to share the same religion. So it's not very easy other than looking at the paper that one holds. Right. Josette, is it possible that you can describe your experience as a survivor of the genocide? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, during the genocide I was 16 uh, years old, and uh, I I was in one of the city in uh, Rwanda called uh, Rwamagana, and uh, yeah, well after the after the um, the president Abdalimana died, that's when they started the killing, and uh, we had to hide. And uh, personally, me and my family, my mom, we were together, and. Uh, I was sick by that time, so I was in the hospital, and uh, we had to move to different um, rooms, if I can say, and uh, they would take us to where they had uh, people, uh, the militia, those who were killing us, they they would take us outside of the building, and with uh, among other people, and. Uh, they would, you know, kill whoever was in front of us, and uh, some somehow they would get tired or something. And then they would be like, you know, we're gonna get back to you later. And it keep going on like for a few days. And uh, later on, we the RPF uh, came to rescue us, and uh, we survived. How about your experience, Amelie? Um, my experience was uh, doing genocide when the killing started. I was in the capital city of Rwanda, Kigali, 
um, staying with my, uh, uh, I was at my uncle's house and um, we were um, inside the house for about seven days before uh, we were rescued by um, some soldiers who uh, were fighting from uh, the uh, other side. They were fighting the government soldiers, so they decided to come and rescue us because uh, we were being, um, uh, we, we had uh, survived actually earlier an attack by the militiamen who wanted to kill us. And uh, for some reasons, it just it happened to be that they, uh, they were at the right place at the right, at the right time, so they came and rescued us. Yeah, that was on April 13th. It's very hard to speak of such a trauma and because it brings up horrifying memories, but you guys go out and you tell people about your experiences. What do you hope to achieve from it? Um, in my, my case, it's a... Uh, um, again, it took me many years before I decided to come out and, and tell my story. It took me about seven years after genocide has ended. Um, I think I did um, decide to do it for the, the one reason. The first reason is the healing process. You know, by talking about it, it makes me feel much better uh, psychologically and emotionally. Uh, the second reason is to inform the, the, the community that, that has been misinformed since uh, many years, since 1960s, the international community never knew what was going on in Rwanda. Uh, we, we all know now that uh, genocide had been going on since 1960s, but yet uh, today uh, I tell you, especially like if I give you a simple example, the American people, mm -hmm. uh, less than probably 10% knows what happened to Rwanda. So by going out talking about this issue, I'm hoping that everybody's going to be informed, which is going to help in the long run to prevent such atrocities. Why do you think, Jose, um, so many people are aware of other genocides, such as the Holocaust or the Bosnian genocide, but not as many people are aware of the Rwanda genocide? Unfortunately, I think there is a basic bias against uh, information uh, from Africa. We get to, to know very often uh, if there is a conflict, if there is bloodshed in places um, like Bosnia-Herzegovina and the former Yugoslavia or in several places in Asia. And uh, you do have uh, neglect of what's happening in, 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 in Africa. For example, very few people know that in the last uh, six years or so, since 1998, uh, probably anywhere between three to four million people have died in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. And if this is the case, it will be the bloodiest conflict in the world since the Second World War. And this has received very, very little publicity. If this type of situation would have occurred elsewhere in the world, much greater publicity would have been given to it. Okay. And um, throughout the genocide, what role did the media play? Did the United Nations play? Unfortunately, the, the role of the United Nations was, was, was quite, uh, quite poor. Um, uh, the first reaction of, uh, of the Security Council is actually to decrease the amount of, uh, of the troops that the United Nations had at, the, at that time. Uh, in in Rwanda, and then uh, f faced with uh, with uh, with pressure from uh, from public opinion, uh, it decided to increase the number of UN troops. But then, of course, you had a lot of reluctance by the troop contributors to put their citizens at risk mm -hmm. to send their women and men to a place where 
where horrible things were occurring. So uh, basically, it was it was not a very positive uh, positive role. Um, in terms of the media, uh, you have uh, a radio, the radio of a Thousand Hills, La Radio de Mille Collines, that actually incited uh, the population to commit a genocide. To, to go and kill the so-called cockroaches. They would refer to uh, the Tutsis as cockroaches. So it was a, a very negative impact that the media had, particularly that, uh, that, that radio station. And the United Nations ever since has, uh, in Security Council resolutions and elsewhere, uh, played a great amount of attention to the uh, negative impact of the mass media can have on, 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 on conflict and on, on fueling conflict. Well, what is the residual impact? What if there are any today on the Rwandan people, would you say? The, the impact of genocide is what you Yeah, multiple uh, 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 faceted the impact. Poverty has been aggravated. There was poverty before genocide, but this time it had been aggravated. As able-bodied people, the great earners of, of the families were exterminated, so what we have are people who are not capable of doing catering for themselves. But also the, the, the impact of the infrastructure, of socioeconomic infrastructure, schools, roads, hospitals, name it, industries, all were paralyzed. <coughs> uh, but also to the cultural, the social... If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Information Exchange on NSU's Radio X at 88.5 FM. I'm your host, Camille Wright, and with us today are Rwanda Ambassador Zach Nzinga, United Nations Representative Mr. Jose Campino, and two survivors of the horrific event, the genocide in Rwanda, which took place in 1994, Mr. Amable Mounier and Ms. Maria Jose Marcatiti, discussing the aftermath of the genocide and what we could have done to prevent it. I mean, survivors of genocide still face a lot of things in their mind. Uh, even those who committed crimes also have got another terrible uh, negative aspect. The way they, they feel is quite bad. So there has been a lot of uh, social, cultural, political, and uh, you know, economic impact to our society. To the extent that recovering from it takes uh, more resources than we would have normally uh, been required to any normal community other than Rwanda. And so, what could we have done in the past to, to prevent this? No, from number one, we would have paid heed of, of all the information that mm -hmm. was coming in, not only the United Nations, but also different members of the Security Council. The message was clear, everything was available. Genocide came in and everybody was watching, but they never paid heed. So, mm -hmm. what they should have done, number one, they should have prevented it. A simple um, uh, not the government of Rwanda then that is not acceptable would have stopped it. Number two, they shouldn't have withdrawn the troops when the genocide started. They should have added more and prevented the genocide. Number three, after the genocide was uh, was over, they should have come in with the necessary support, support the, gen um, the government, support the survivors, and support the, the recovery of Rwanda. Uh, support has come in, but it has come in in a more, less focused manner, haphazard manner, it hasn't been focused on the real uh, priorities of, of, of people of Rwanda, and uh, it hasn't been enough. Mm -hmm. So to the extent that the cover is there, but it's not where we should be. Uh, they should now be supporting the survivors of genocide uh, to take shape. They have 
problems. I was still wounded physically. Others are mentally, you know, disabled. So we really need this support. The fact that we didn't prevent it, we should have stopped it. The fact that we didn't stop it, we should prevent more of the problems that may happen. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Information Exchange on NSU's Radio X at 88.5 FM. I'm your host, Camille Wright, and with us today are Rwanda Ambassador Zach Nzinga, United Nations Representative Mr. Jose Campino, and two survivors of the horrific event, the genocide in Rwanda, which took place in 1994, Mr. Amable Mounier and Ms. Maria Jose Marcatiti discussing the aftermath of the genocide and what we could have done to prevent it. And how is the international community helping the survivors cope with this event that, take, that took place in 1994? Well, there have been programs uh, of uh, rehabilitation um, and uh, in the 10th anniversary of uh, uh, the, the, the Rwandan genocide back in 2004, uh, the Secretary General appointed a special advisor on the prevention of genocide who um, travels around the world in places of conflict or, prevent or potential conflict and try to do some kind of early warning of situations which may lead to the type of, 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 of crisis, to the type of uh, mayhem, to the type of uh, destruction and, and uh, uh, horrible events that occurred mm -hmm. uh, 12 years ago in, in Rwanda. And how can we... Yeah. Before that, with the government of Rwanda puts 5% of its budget mm -hmm. to a fund supporting the danger survivors of genocide. But this is very little. So we would like the international community, if it ever exists, to put more money into this fund. Uh, the, I know the United Nations uh, uh, has a committed, uh, commissioned uh, an inquiry called Carlson's Inquiry. The report is available. It is it details the modalities of how one and survivors and one government can be assisted. We would wish that the United Nations uh, uses this uh, report, its commission, to support the people of Rwanda. Mm -hmm. And how can we as individuals help out? Anyone listening, any way that they can help out, how would you think, how would they go about that? How would they... You know. Anybody listening now or anybody uh, bothering today to, to work should should not keep quiet. The, the problem about the genocide is that people keep quiet. So speak out and answer. I mean, question. Use the rest of question. Why? Let's, let's be, uh, what is happening? What is, why is the political will not available? Mm 